in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hey, welcome everybody to another brand new episode of Topic Thunder. Here from the Top 10 Show, I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. This is a show that we do each week for our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Head over there, join the show. They got a special email. They just send in whatever questions and topics they want us to talk about. We have no idea what they are. And uh, I believe it's your turn to start, man. Okay. All right. Let's start it off here. I think the first one is from Colson Coleopolis, one of the best names amongst our patrons. He says, hi, guys. I rewatched Rogue One since last we spoke, and it's amazing how clear my memory is of that movie. My question is this. What are some of your favorite directors? If you can't think of one, let's say top three. And what is your earliest memory of their work, either hearing about it or watching it? Needless to say, loved being a guest on my favorite podcast, Long Live the Top Ten. P.S. I sent this question the wrong email several weeks ago. I'm a real chump. Well, you're also the <laughs> winner of season one. Am I correct right. on that, uh, uh, Matt? You are correct. And I, if memory serves, he didn't like Rogue One. Yeah. So that is him sticking it to us, I believe, Wow! wow if wow, memory wow. serves. It's also been a while and a lot of things have happened, it feels like, since then. But who knows? Who knows if that's the case? Uh, who are yeah. some of your favorite directors? Well, I mean, there's so many to choose from. Do you want to yeah. narrow this? Do you want to pick a genre? Well, he said uh, top three. If you have a top three and your earliest memory of their work. So um, who's your top three? Do you really have a top three? You know I, mean, I mean, there's I, so many good directors. I have to say on my end, I kind of do with uh, Akira Kurosawa, Orson Welles. And then I think it's a battle for the number three spot between John Ford and okay. a couple of other great directors that I battle with overall. But yeah, I'm, you know, this is a sure. show about lists. So it's, it's in my nature to create lists in my head. I know, uh, but, but some of them are just so impossible because hmm. a lot of directors have their own flavor and style very sure. distinctly. Sure. So it's, you know, I don't know. It, it's such a broad idea. I realize that you do have your favorites and so do I. Sure. But, Favorite directors of all. I mean, they just, what kind of mood are you in? You know? Yeah. Right. Good point. Like, and they're just like, oh, well, I love, okay, if I'm in that kind of mood, well, this individual does five yeah. movies like that or four movies or whatever the case is. Right. If right. I'm feeling like mobsterish, let's find one of oh, Scorsese's. Scorsese, great point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. No problem over there. Oh, I want a little more attention and a bit more of a thinker. How about a little Stanley Kubrick? Sure. Uh, Chris Nolan. I'm in the mood for his just, the idea of, oh, let's do a Chris Nolan film. Yeah. And there's a few that are kind of interchangeable for me. Could they give a lot of the same vibes? Yeah. And a lot of people have like, uh, what, quirky sensibilities. So maybe Wes Anderson is their top yeah. three director, or they or like Tim it. Burton. Or Tim Burton. Right. Exactly. Great point. Or, you know, if they like a talky movie, uh, maybe they're a big fan of, uh, of um, uh, Woody Allen or these other filmmakers mm -hmm. that have like, 
very dense scripts full of conversations between actors uh, for sure. Maybe they're into Sofia Coppola, maybe they're into Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Certainly any number of choices to make for sure. Um, but, you know, time's running out on my life. So I, I got to put the, you know, I got to make the lists now before it's too late. And so for me, these are the lists. Uh, <laughs> John Ford and Kubrick, I think, is the battle. I think that's a fair fair one to throw in for there sure for Kubrick, right for sure are you dying is that i don't who knows you know i'm i'm on the back end of, of of life i imagine so you know it's just uh i'm not going downhill or anything i'm just saying it's the back end of life so you <laughs> might as well make your lists now before you start to forget i want you know is, every, I, is everything all right it's <laughs> such a fatalistic <laughs> out of nowhere latinos are fatalistic man it's in our nature but okay. listen the, the uh the is that why I, the other stereotype is live life, man. They're, exactly. they're spicy. We're very passionate because we don't know when it's going to be all over. That's for sure. 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 Um, That's true. <laughs> but uh, no, I was watching a um, show. I was watching something in preparation for a future top 10 or a, or a past top 10, depending on when this drops. And uh, it made me kind of like think about Alzheimer's and think about losing your memory and think about these kinds of things. And I'm like, wow, what it, it might be interesting to lose it so you can rediscover these movies again. Or you sure. may be in a situation where you never even remember that you loved movies and may never even watch them. <laughs> and so what's that situation like? So uh, and I'm speak, speaking very rudimentarily about Alzheimer's because I've had no personal experience with it, mm -hmm. but just the idea. So in my mind, I was thinking to myself, well, shit, well, I should lock down some things in my mind before they go. I should savor them a little bit before just in case it happens. You never know. I knocked on wood. I, we all do that in our own ways you know what i mm -hmm. do it's a random thing like that yeah. every once and again i breathe deeply through my nose and whatnot and be like dude it's good not to be sick because every time i'm sick i have the thought of i take oh. it for granted and now yeah. over the years it's just everyone's like yeah this is nice like, <laughs> i'm appreciating because i know what that shit is like yeah uh i've had bronchitis a couple of times where i've had to go to the hospital oh yeah and you're just like dude the next time i breathe i'm really gonna take in that breath yeah yeah uh, that's that's the same man i've had co i've had bronchitis so much over the last few years that's what made me scared about covid i was like scared about yeah. getting it you know dude bronchitis can be brutal oh dude, it could lead to i mine led to walking pneumonia for two weeks years ago i think 2013 2014 something like that walking pneumonia for two weeks that was the worst i've ever experienced that shit, I, uh, you know because no thank you Ugh. walking to the Chipotle 10 minutes, it felt like I'd run 26 miles. Like it was yeah. so exhausting. So yeah, that's just no, no joke. But anyway, no, uh, for me, I would say Orson Welles, the second I saw Citizen Kane immediately understood a style, an auteur type thing. So I always watch for that for Kurosawa's seven samurai. Those are the, that's, those are the two films that really got me. And for Kubrick, it was space odyssey 2001. Mm -hmm. When I saw that film, then I knew, like, oh, okay, this is one. This is immediately one of my favorite directors. Um, and with John Ford, it's tough because there's so many great westerns. But and he's he just makes great westerns. I don't think there's necessarily a distinct style, but he certainly makes great westerns. So okay. I don't know if he's an auteur necessarily, but certainly the other three are. So that's what I would say. Um, I I would say he is. I think anybody mm -hmm. that gets to that prolific a level doesn't matter what type of thing like michael bay is an auteur on some level truth yeah he has a sense of style you may yeah. not like it but it you know steven yeah. spielberg is an auteur absolutely the sun is all over his movies for sure yeah uh yeah. 
but it's just like unique style. Once again, if you buy into whatever they're selling, it works yeah. for you way more and a much higher percentage. Like, yeah. uh, but Guillermo del Toro, there's some people that that they're all time favorite. They love sure. everything that he brings to life. And we said yeah. before, uh, Wes Anderson, yeah, just anyone with a very distinct sensibility. Or, or uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, sure. yeah, oh, Paul Thomas, right? Paul Thomas is great. Yeah. There's a million of them. It depends on what mood. Sometimes I was thinking about it. It's like, ah, you know, sometimes I'm genu- genuinely in a Paul Thomas Anderson or a Steven Spielberg mood. Yeah. Just yeah, like, yeah. I can watch any one of four or five of theirs, which one comes up first when I search, you know, for that individual. Right. Uh, yeah, that top 10 list would be brutal. <laughs> it would be. That's a. It'd be brutal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The battles we'd have over that trying to combine it too would be so brutal. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this what? much. Orson Welles is not making my list. <laughs> it's nothing against him. It's just look at all these other guys. It I like sounds like it's something against him. six or seven movies from this guy versus I appreciate what you did. <laughs> oh, it's nice what you did at all. But. Well, it's, it's like when you look in the context of cinema and everything that he was up against and, mm-hmm. then, you know, whatnot, the backstory and the technical yeah. aspects of it. I totally get. I just. Yeah. If I'm yeah, being honest even... with myself, it's right. Like, well, that's fair. You know what? I can go watch Scorsese XYZ and write down the list. Right, right. I love it. I think Paul Thomas Anderson was a great one to suggest, brother. That's someone who is completely becoming a... Uh, just one of my favorites. Yeah, just a, one of the greatest ever. Um, and wasn't Sam, Didn't Sam Mendes do 1917? Wasn't that Sam Mendes? Yeah, that's Mendes. So he and could be you, another one for sure. You brought it up before, like the talkie sensibility. Anything yeah. that Aaron Sorkin has his fingerprints uh, on, right, he probably Sorkin. just think is heaven. Certainly. Yeah, if you look at Mendez, what? American Beauty, you can make fun of that, I suppose. Road to Perdition. Skyfall. Jarhead, Revolutionary Road, Away We Go. Skyfall is King Lear, which I never saw. Spectre, Mm -hmm. uh, which Mm -hmm. I liked. And then Mm -hmm. 1917. So, yeah, that's a lot, man. It is. Uh, I never saw his King Lear. Interesting. Was that on stage? Oh, it's on stage. It was in National Theater, so different situation. Did you ever see... um... I just saw a trailer for it randomly. Mm. Kenneth Branagh is Shakespeare two years ago. It's Ian McKellen and Jim yes. Dench. All is true. All yes. is true. Is that any good? I liked it a lot. Okay. Uh, it's a very quiet film. You want to talk about talking. It's all, it's all talking. talking. Hardly any action. There are events that happen, and there's some really strong emotional beats happening mm-hmm. in the relationships between Shakespeare and his wife, and it's all about his young son who's drowned, who drowned while he was away in London writing plays and whatever, and how that affected the family. And he's finally come home after he's done being this great playwright. He's come home yeah. to kind of handle his affairs and stay home. Uh, and that specter of that relationship comes up and it threatens to fracture the family and all these other kind of indirect relationships that are there sure. in, in the town. So I, I think I, I saw it on a plane back from when I was, when I went to Australia for that Mortal Kombat thing, mm-hmm. I saw it on a, on the plane ride back and I thoroughly loved it. Thoroughly wow, that's, loved it. that's so. impressive because plane, I want nonsense. <laughs> I do just because there's so much going on and anything can be interrupted. Yeah. So I don't, I just want something that's purely escapist. Yeah. I uh, so that's interesting that you picked a talkie, you know, type oh. of film. Yeah, because all the lights were off. It was that section where, like, they they let you go to sleep um, or whatever, and everybody okay. goes to sleep. So I had the noise canceling ear for the bows. I can't hear a fucking thing on a plane. It's brilliant. I can't recommend it enough. If you fly a lot, 
And I, and then just to be able to get lost in that and disappear from being on the plane, it worked for me. Plus, I'm a huge Shakespeare fan, so for me, it was yeah, really good. Yeah, Brana does Brana, that nose Brana puts on too. It's excellent. It looks legit in the trailer. I don't know if it works in it, but it looks legit. Yeah, I saw the poster and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, and then I went and watched the trailer and I was like, "This looks pretty interesting, actually." Yeah, yeah. could be curious to hear your thoughts because. Um, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was surprisingly like a quiet, good film. Yeah. You know? And I, yeah. I, I like a character study of an individual mm-hmm. like that because then there's discussion as to whether or not he actually wrote the damn things. Right. And that uh, comes up too. That comes up. No, of course it does. How could you yeah. not? Right. It's part of the legend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I think we're way off. Let's find, let's we go. To, thanks Colson. I appreciate it. We appreciate it rather. What's the uh, next question, brother? Uh, comes from Tyler Spots and says, Hi, John and Matt. <laughs> Who are some directors that, in your opinion, <laughs> have a perfect track record when it comes to making quality films? <laughs> some that come to my mind are Edgar Wright, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Stanley Kubrick. How can we leave him off Edgar Wright? We forgot Edgar Wright. Wright. We forgot Edgar Wright. Admittedly, it's easier to have a perfect record when your filmography is only a handful of films. So I'm curious to see if you guys come up with any names that have a huge body of work. Also, who are some of your favorite up-and-coming directors who might only have one or two films onto their belt? Uh, personally, I've been impressed uh, with the directors making films for A24 with Ari Aster and Robert Eggers stay, uh, being standouts. Those are names that get me excited when I hear about new projects, and I'm curious to hear you guys come up with uh, who you come up with, rather. <laughs> Thanks for all the excellent content. And have a great day, Tyler Spots. I think we answered this one, Tyler. Well, Tyler, see you above. Tyler, see you <laughs> yeah, above. see you above. <laughs> Technically, I read your question. We covered about 75% of that already. Pretty much, yeah. Is there, are there any new directors that stand out to you? I mean, Ari Esther and Robert Eggers are great suggestions. Certainly The Lighthouse, and um, I think Ari did Hereditary as well. And uh, Eggers did The Witch. So are there any okay. young ones that like... Like I'd that? have to look up specific films and then okay because I can't okay. think of the off the top of my name or hmm. top of my head rather can't think of a name off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, a twenty four. After yeah. having discovered who they were, they've got mm-hmm. a nice body of work, but I don't know oh, yeah. many of the directors that have worked with. Right, but outside of the brothers, <sighs> can't remember. Uh, I like did anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna say I like what Greta Gerwig did, you know, with uh, Little sure. Women and with Lady Bird. Um, gotta throw in obviously Jordan Peele, right? With Get Out and Us. Would Taika count? Taika would totally count. Yes, only done a few films, so I yeah. think Taika would absolutely count uh, for sure. Um, oh, Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina, yeah, and Great Annihilation. Call. Great yeah, call. Those are good ones too. So just going off this list here, and Saf- the Safty brothers, they did that's that what I was trying to think guns. of. Safty, yeah, okay. they did uncut, and then did the Robert uh, Pattinson one. Good times, right? Good times, right, right, right. Which is interesting. Yeah, it got yeah. hyped up to where like the Robert Pattinson is crushing it, and I saw it, and I was like, it was good. Right, 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 right. Um, I just think people were like, oh, he can do this. Is that, is, I think that's how they approached yeah. it. <laughs> like, oh Although God, I never really funny. saw him as coasting on his good looks, he just. Yeah, got into a property that yeah, undercut potentially his, I guess, artistic standing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also Twilight. What actor is turning that down? Right, with all that money they're making. For yeah, sure. 
the book point. is a massive bestseller. This thing has a huge fan base built right in. Yeah. Yeah. And it could end up being like the Leo DiCaprio where all the women fell in love with you at a specific age. And then you carry them as a fan base for a long time. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Let's see. And that's speaking as a Leo fan. But yeah, the stands were women early on, as far as I remember. Yes. Oh, for DiCaprio? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to look at some young directors here that are up and coming. I mean, uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Messiah, Shaka King did a nice job with that for sure. Yeah, but I mean, the others that you mentioned before have yeah. two to three under their belt yeah. now where you're like, that's this guy or this gal, whoever it is, has yeah. something here. That's a good point. I'm not saying you can't do it again. I just, no, give, no. give me a second. Yeah, yeah. Let me catch up. Yeah, yeah. That's an excellent point, actually. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what else he's done. Uh, I mean, anyway. Bong Joon-ho, right? You got to mention Bong Joon-ho a little bit. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know how up and coming he is, but certainly now crossing over. Well, to Western audiences, yeah, they would consider him, I would assume, a new director. Yeah, right? Yeah. With Snow and I'm not saying as some elitist. I just know I've seen a couple of his previous, but right. people didn't know who he was here. Uh, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, I think we've answered that because we kind of answered the one before. Yeah, we kind so, of yeah. before, but okay. Tyler, thank you for the great. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, yeah. Let's see if we got some. Yeah, I think we had a few more minutes to do this one. All right, uh, this one's from Chris Lemke. Hello. He says, how's it going, guys? Hope everything is well. I'm curious that since since both of you are such well-read scholarly gentlemen, if there is any particular story, book, or plot line, either fiction or nonfiction, that you feel is necessary to make a film or television show about if so, what would be your vision for it? Uh, ready with Wikipedia, Lemke. So what do you say there, Matt? You got a particular story, book, or plot line, fiction or nonfiction, that you feel is necessary to make a film or television show about? I kind of wish. Did you ever see Marco Polo, the Netflix show? I never did see that one, but I heard okay. good things. Not great, but good. Well, the thing is, if you trimmed off... <sighs> If memory serves, like 30% of the cast yeah, in those storylines, I think you have the heart of a really interesting story. But I understand why they brought in the other elements, because it gave them the, the ability to like go to battles and have more action in the series as a whole a little bit. Yeah, yeah. At least the looming threat of it, so there's always this military presence. But uh, a lot of it was over the top, whereas Khan and Polo themselves, they have a, amazing uh, chemistry. Mm. And it's uh, what's his name? Uh, the gentleman, I believe his last name is Wong, but he was in. Uh, oh, yeah. Benedict Wong. Benedict yeah, yeah, Wong. Yeah. 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 And he plays Khan. OK. Uh, it's not it's not uh, Genghis. It's one of his sons. I think it's Kublai, but I'm not, okay. I can't remember specifically. But it's like really interesting. And if they kept that storyline, the palace intrigue and whatnot, just mm-hmm. to see somebody that's kind of a god on Earth and one that a lot of people probably don't know anything about. Yeah. I really had hope for that, and they canceled it, which kind of made sense. I mean, they, they put a lot into the production costs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that was interesting. Let's see. What other particular fiction or nonfiction? Hmm. Um, you know what I think would make a good TV show is uh, if they did a 
like eight to 10 episodes Sherlock instead of these one-offs in essence from the BBC. Right, right. The hour and a half episodes. Yeah. It's like three per season. Um, I'd like a more extended. Yeah. I like that character a lot though. Well, seem, people seem to like elementary and those were, Oh no, I'm a fan. That was a whole season, but certainly it's different approach to that material. Uh, on some yeah. level, I think Johnny Lee Miller's interpretation of Sherlock is the best. Wow. Yep. Oof. All right. All just right. the motivation. I haven't seen it, the, so I can't judge it. So. Yeah, the, the motivations for his character to be the way he is and yeah, what yeah. what he struggles with, his drug addiction, kind of rings of truth in the midst of this. It's a CBS procedural. Uh-huh. Um, you know. But I, mean, I like the motivations that they built in. Anyway, go ahead. How many seasons did that run? Dude, that ran like eight seasons or maybe, but the last one and a half were spread out, I believe, over time. I We caught it yeah. on uh, streaming like at some point, Yeah, but early on. Seven seasons. Seven seasons, there you go. How many episodes per season? Oh, shit. This is like a full-on 24 episode. Yeah, it's a procedural. Order. Shit. In there, Wait. though, there's some interesting stuff. Well, maybe we'll give this a chance because we're—I mean, we're—we're we're halfway through season five mm-hmm. of Bosch. We've gotten through like f- four seasons in two weeks. Yeah. So, I think it's—it's it's five and six are left. So maybe we'll jump on to Elementary next. Um, well, it's uh, nowhere near as gritty as anything like Bosch. Right, right, right. But you know, it's a good like palate cleanser, so to speak. It is. It's yeah. and it's a little whodunit, and you're trying to figure out. At least we did. Uh, yeah. while watching it, uh, I think it's got to be this person type of thing. Yeah. But the through line of it is look for a CBS show, it's pretty decent. Yeah, there's some good storylines in it. And for that, is so long as you don't come with the expectations of this needs to be, you know, the wire, mm. it's like it's not, it's on CBS, right? Right? Do so you think you come in with different expectations? Yeah, I haven't really liked any of the CBS procedurals except for the first season or two of Scorpion. I liked Scorpion. Oh, yeah, and, I didn't see it. And then it became, uh, let's get cute. And then it became a standard CBS procedural. I gave Hawaii Five O a season, and by the end, I was like, I gave this. I can't do this. Um, but normally, like Blue Bloods doesn't work for me. Normally, the CBS procedurals no. almost never work. But this one, maybe, maybe this one. Uh, I hear good things, not just from you, but a number of people who say elementary is actually really good. So, yeah, uh, maybe. But you go in with the right. Did you ever watch Evil? That was actually kind of interesting. No, what was uh, that? That was on CBS. It was only like eight or ten episodes. Okay, it's been one season, and it's been a while. Uh, I think season two is coming out at some point in uh-huh. maybe twenty one. Right, right, right. Uh, but that was that was pretty dark for CBS. Okay. Evil. All right. Evil. You know, who was in it? Anybody note? The woman, I don't know. The guy is uh, Luke Cage, one of the guys. Oh. Um, and uh, the other dude is a is a great character actor. I'm assuming he's Middle Eastern because that's more than likely some derivation. Um, oh, Asif, Asif Manvi. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was on The Daily Show for like two years. Yeah, he was a correspondent there. But he's been right. in like a character guy now in floating in and out of stuff. Totally. And then the, the evil guy was the evil guy on Lost. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I like him. He's Lina, good. Lina, Linus? Yeah, Linus. Oh, Michael Emerson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's good. And he's back to like, it's the God and the devil and their agents here on Earth. Really? 
Okay. Through the guise of Luke Cage, that gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Mike Coulter. Yeah. It's unfair how handsome that guy is. Anyway, yeah. moving on. I it's agree. Fucking, He's very attractive. Guy. It's not even fair. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's a level playing field that does not exist. Anyway, <laughs> he plays a priest. Uh-huh. that leads an exorcism team and she is a psychologist and a skeptic. And then the uh, other guy is a, a, a tech specialist who tries to figure out if there's anything going on in the exterior Fascinating. that might be manipulating this stuff. Okay. And they run into, it appears to be demons. This is on CBS. It's not wow. bad. Okay. Yeah. The girl. I kind of wish it was on HBO. Oh, Okay. Because you could have gone farther, or did it have that? Yeah, a little. You could have gone a little bit darker, and I think it makes it just that slight. You don't need to go hardcore horror, right? Right. But they bring in this this demon element. That's it does its job, man. It does its job. It's pretty impressive. Uh, So I'm, you know, once again, it's CBS. Right, right, right. But they're chasing Uh, down Michael Emerson, basically. Is that right? Kind of. No, you don't want to give away too much. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. All right. Fair. Oh, um, shit. And it sets through. up a nice scope for the next season. Like, all right. You know, wish yeah. this on Netflix. I'm looking at some of the pictures for pretty intense stuff. All right. All right. It's not bad. The lead woman is Dutch Katya Herbers. I had, she I think she had maybe a small part here or there and other things, but I have never seen it before. Holy shit, it's CBS procedural. So how many episodes is it? It's it's a short run. Okay, okay. Were there? T- oh, okay. Season two is coming. Yes, that's why. Oh, so okay, okay. Got it, got it. So how many episodes? Ten. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes, ten. No, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Looks like thirteen episodes. 13, which makes okay. so much sense. <laughs> Number thirteen. So I guess there'll be thirteen mm-hmm. in the second because it says there's twenty six episodes total on IMDb. Okay. So yeah, because I guess the. The yeah. season two premiere is apparently later on this this month, June twentieth. Well, there, there you go. go. I knew it was sometime coming. All right. I mean, I didn't set my clock by it. I ain't. <laughs> you know, that's that's a rare occurrence when I do that. The Loki, yes. Oh, because it looks super interesting. Oh, Loki looks fantastic. Dude. It really yeah. does. Yeah, this is the one I've been most hyped on since I saw the release of, and be like, mm-hmm. look, WandaVision. It it's kind of panned out how I expected. WandaVision would be interesting, and it was. Yes. Falcon and Winter Soldier was meat and potatoes superhero. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, it's growth for the characters and whatnot, but it doesn't have the fantastical elements that you do in WandaVision and what I assume is going to be in Loki. Yeah. So that's what kind of drew my eye. It's nothing against Falcon or anything else. Right. Of course. Did I try to give Bad Batch a try? Couldn't get through the first episode. Yeah, I'm fine. We're doing the reviews on the on the on my channel with the Geek Buddies, and uh, the numbers are not great uh, for the reviews. And the reviews for everything else that we've done from Disney Plus have been pretty good. So it's I think this is across the board because I'm looking at other people's uh, YouTube channels, and the numbers are down for Bad Batch. So it seems like you're not the only one that isn't like too into it. And to be fair, it's kind of a niche part of the Clone Wars, right? These aren't. Yes, you get the clones, but you don't have like Commander Cody or Rex or the big Jedi involved. And I think that affects viewership a little bit um, overall. Plus, how many Star Wars fans are like, yeah, let me have Expendables in Clone Wars. I like it, but I don't know how many nerd fans are actually into that. My problem with it was this, and I realize this is ridiculous, but Mm. the first uh, 
as you get introduced to the Bad Batch, there's I, I think five of them, maybe six. Yeah, yeah, total uh, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's droid army, those droids mm-hmm. that are really ineffective. And I don't know why the Empire ever spent money on mining the ore and turning into metal and the everything else. It doesn't make any. But whatever. That aside. Yeah. <laughs> There's a platoon of those in two or three of those hover tanks from Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. That the Gungans take out at the end. And these dudes, one dude runs in and just puts his shoulder into it and pushes off the side of the cliff. And you're like, Mm -hmm. how do five guys destroy an entire platoon? If everything about we know about the clones is maybe not the best of marksmen over time. Right. uh, And these guys are just the super, super duper elite. And like, all right. I realize that I'm. I'm drawing a line, a weird line in the sand with you, but I am <laughs> it just, this is, yeah. if this exists plus Jedi's, how did you lose? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense because the droid army is pretty pathetic unless they send in destroyers, Yeah, which right. I don't know why they don't just make nonstop destroyers. Those things are pretty fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Don't give me a anyway. droid army. <laughs> the droid army is, yeah, that's, I don't. It makes no sense to me that it does it. You know the Roger Roger, and it's like (laughs) at least make them a little menacing. You know. (laughs) Well, uh, I just want to throw in one answer for me, and uh, and I and it's the answer I've I've been having in my head for a very long time, and I try to read as many books as I can uh, about Theodore Roosevelt. I think if you did a Mm. Theodore Roosevelt like ten season series where you explore his beginnings a little bit in flashback but he's like it's for his first term as a representative there or even as the Mm -hmm. police commissioner in new york then the first season maybe ends with the loss of his mother and his wife on the same night and you want to cast two really good actresses that when that happens it really is devastating to experience it then you go into the second season of him going out into the wilderness to deal with the grief of their loss becomes this like you know frontiersman this this rich spoiled white kid dandy becomes a frontiersman forces himself to put himself through this uh experience and then comes back to new york in the third season what is that like and then re you know goes into politics what's that like becomes president what's that like is almost assassinated what's that like comes back uh <laughs> retires and then and then like tries to come back to yeah. become president again and fails and then that's like the last season is him just kind of accepting the end of his time, kind of like we got with John Adams uh, in the last couple yeah, episodes you, of John Adams. <laughs> you didn't lay out a 10-season run for John Adams, you know? No. I get John, you love Teddy. I don't think he's that interesting, John Adams, but I think Teddy's interesting. I so. think I think you need to pick a slice of that, and you, that's, that's the series. All right, fair, fair. Or maybe two slices type of – Call it young Teddy. He, he led a rich life. <laughs> he did. I, you he tell did, me you don't dude. want to see an entire season on the Rough Riders. I that's what do. I'm saying. I, that's what an I'm entire saying. season. Give it. Yes. To, yeah, but I think the mind we would be in the minority because westerns don't do well overall. And that's what we're asking for as a president True. on a western, and it yeah. actually happened. Look, do I want to see the speech where he gets shot and people yeah. are like you need to stop? And he's like. You need to back off, motherfucker. I am finishing this and speaks for another, what was it, 70 minutes? Yeah. It was 90 minutes, like something ridiculous. Yep. Yep. Where the, yeah. the bullet was in his speech. It had put a hole through his speech. You can't write it, yeah, that he, shit. He did it extemporaneously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you can't, can't write, write that. 
Yeah. You can't. If you put that into a script, all these things, it just wouldn't make sense. Like this dude did, he's Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great um, book that I finished reading last year that goes into when he went into the Amazon with his son. Exactly. Yeah. And what he experienced there and (coughs) all the madness of that uh, expedition. So, yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. Teddy, Teddy is rich and, I have yet to see anybody do an interpretation that I enjoy. I know Tom Berger did a version of it years ago, and the the actor who did it for The Alienist is all right, but he ain't Teddy, man. Teddy, there, Teddy has this energy. Yeah. You got to find the actor that has this charisma, man. And so um, I didn't think he had that Teddy Roosevelt energy at all. So uh, anyway, all right. Well, there you go. That's uh, I think that's a good uh, good set of answers for these questions that have come here on the topic thunder. Thank you, Lemke, for another great one. Uh, mm-hmm. We're down to single digits on these, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So please, if you got thoughts, you got. Th- I mean, everyone is going back to possibly work or going back to the theaters, going back to some semblance of normalcy. Send us your thoughts and comments. Send us your questions about what's going on in your world. What do you want to find out? What do you want us to talk about? You know, so many of you say that our off-the-cuff stuff is what you really enjoy about the show, along with the countdowns, of course. So uh, instigate it. Initiate it with some of your great questions. We love the stuff you guys send. Uh, Yes, so please do. And head over to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. And join us over there and be part of the show. That is it for me this week. You can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. You can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. And we're out of here. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time for another brand-new episode of Topic Thunder.